I'd like to welcome you out to another episode of the Lodestone Training and Consulting Podcast. I'm Jared Ross, and with me today, Chris Johnson. And today we're going to talk a little bit about LandNav. I know we've done a podcast or two before on the subject, but now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how to be a little bit better. We're going to talk about it again because it's an important thing. Uh, as we continue to try and improve ourselves, becoming better at whatever our craft is, we need to revisit things. Uh, this is one of those subjects you have to continually revisit. I blew someone's mind a couple months back when I mentioned the fact that I still read the uh, field manual on land navigation. And he was like, you got to be kidding me. You teach land navigation. You're a Green Beret. Why would you even bother picking it up? Because I forget things. Uh-huh. And it, you got to keep yourself sharp. It always pays to go back to the basics. Yeah, yep. it, exactly. Whether it's shooting or whether it's land navigation, whether it's communications, you got to go back and refresh and hone those skills. Uh, I like to take my dog and go do land navigation. It's I'm fortunate where I live. I have a park about 10 miles from my house. Unfortunately, my dog has gotten better at land nav than I am. Well, he, he knows all the points. He does. Because he always gets a treat at the point. That's so. right. That's right. And so he, you know, we, we went up there just to walk around and he saw a point and he's like, oh, no, we need to go over there. Nobody, we're not getting, no, we need to go over there. And he wanted a snack, but, you know. Um, when we were talking about different things that we wanted to do podcasts, uh, different subjects, this is one that it just comes up so much. And I think that we need to revisit this and kind of keep this on people's radar, that this is an important skill to have. Uh, so, Well, as we designed this company and as we designed the training, uh, we started with, with basic classes and stuff, and we started to build a good base, people taking those classes so they can take higher level or different classes. Um, and we still haven't done everything in our, our master plan. We still have a lot more classes and things we're going to offer as soon as we have a good enough base for it. But land nav. So this year, we have run multiple small unit tactics classes, as well as multiple uh, steer environment, wilderness skills classes. Um, we've ran different classes with people out in the woods. And the skill is one that, if they knew how to do, it made their life a lot easier. And some people who had prior training, um, whether with, with us or, or another place, they, they did really well. But then there are others that, when it came to the real world, uh, it really kind of bit them in the butt. Yeah, it's, I see a lot of different training, uh, courses and things where they'll lump land navigation in, you know, whether it's, uh, experiences I've had in the military where you just kind of make that assumption that, that people are able to pick it up on the fly and be able to run with it. Land navigation is complicated. There are guys that have come out that are smart guys that, don't get it right away and it frustrates them and i tell them it it's going to take practice you're going to have to do this over and over it's not a come out for two days one night and you're good it's a lifelong skill that you're always going to work at and that's one of the reasons why by design we set up the land nav workshops at two different locations yes because even though technically it's the same information the way you're applying it with those two different environments, the highlands versus those lowlands, completely different. And as we've had people have taken both, they have really benefited from from those two different experiences. See it, and not only are you getting the reps in, but you're seeing a different terrain. 
you're seeing the diff- how things apply differently. You may have longer movements in the lowlands because, well, it's lowlands. It's it's easier terrain where you'll have shorter legs in the highlands. But, man, if you're not doing it right, you'll punish yourself. I know this upcoming lowlands land nav, um, my daughter Gwen, she's very excited and would like oh, to. She's going? Yeah, she would like to Good. go to this. Good. And she had that, well, I don't know. I don't want to hold everyone up. I, I don't want to. I don't want to make it. I don't want to take away from training. I said, no, you're not. Anna went. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the very first land nav classes that we held. So if you're out there thinking, well, I don't know if I'm quite ready for the, the land nav, you know, the, the two day class come out. Uh, I do suggest that you get the, the seminar ahead of time. It, it will make a lot of these concepts a lot clearer. You'll have some time to digest these things instead of, getting the uh, quick re- refresher class and then getting thrown out there. Um, oh, man, it's just, it's a really good time, and you're going to walk away with good information and good skills. Yeah. So <clears throat> I thought let's do something a little bit different. Let's talk about what items we use, what we carry for land navigation. Um, you know, I mean, we can do some I hate lists, but let's do lists. Uh, everyday carry. Do you okay. carry anything specific for navigation, or do you have, you know, a practice for your everyday carry? Yes, uh, you kind of hit me on the spot here. Um, I know I, I, I did yeah. that on purpose. Um, yes. So my first and foremost is my phone. So I usually have my phone on me, and, of course, that, that's a great resource. It, it's not cheating. I, I know how to use a compass. I know how to use a map. But for ease, I can use the either the map on my phone or I can you can use the GPS. So, so that's one. But then on top of that, um, I don't carry, like, a full-on Linsana compass on me, but I do usually have one of those small button compasses. Button compass. Yeah. So I have that so I, I can at least get a good idea of, you know, my north, south, east, and west, and then some of the smaller points. But then in my vehicle... I do have a lens at a compass. So, so that's there. You know, there's no knock on that button compass. Lewis and Clark, did they have a lens at a compass? <laughs> you know, this country was, was explored with a general north heading, yep. a general west heading. Um, they didn't have degrees. They didn't have mills to work in. So that button compass, it, it takes up no space. If you are running a regular uh, wristwatch, plastic, sports watch, something like that, there's no reason not to have one on there. Yeah. It, you can pick them up for a couple bucks. At most Walmarts. It, yes. Yeah. And it, it is something that you should have access to. Now, I have seen occasionally some of those Walmart specials that <laughs> aren't exactly, uh, you, know, it, it, in, you know, tuned or pointing the right it, way. It's one of those things. You check it. Yeah. With all your equipment, you got to check it. So, but the majority of the ones I've seen, they, they work just fine. Yeah. Uh, myself, of course, yes, the phone. And one of the things I like to do, if I know I'm going to an area that has limited cell phone coverage, like my house, uh, I go ahead and I'll download the map. Yeah. I'll take a screenshot of the map if I have to. Because, yes, it is an item that I have with me. It's who we are in this day and age. We all have that digital leash with us, so I might as well use it. Now, will I necessarily use the GPS on it? 
if occasion presents itself, I'll check things out with it. I'm not going to throw a tool away just because it's a, you know, it's an unpopular thing. I'll recognize it for a tool, not a crutch. Something that I do have is I wear a, a Garmin Phoenix 6 uh, wristwatch, which is a smartwatch that has GPS built into it. The cool feature about this watch is I can have maps on it. So I have downloaded onto the watch uh, all of Pennsylvania, um, portions of West Virginia and Virginia, areas that I'm, I know I'm going to go to, I have downloaded onto the watch. I went ahead and I, I got rid of all the golf courses because that's what the watch came with. <laughs> uh, I, that wasn't important to me. So I loaded it with things that were important to me. And I've actually used it. Uh, it was during a land nav class. I was out there. I ran into one student who lost his map. So I give him my map. And I'm walking around. I'm like, oh, I know this area. I'm, I'm good to go. I, I know where I'm at. I ran into another student, and he's having problems with this compass. So I give him my compass. Ah, I know where I'm at. No problem. And then I realize, which side of the hill am I on? <laughs> and I, I recognized some of the train, but I was new enough to the area that I didn't fully know the train. And I was able to pull up the topo map on my watch and navigate off that topo map. It's not uh, the most detailed and it's really small and it took a lot of effort, but it's something that I have with me and I have that capability. Uh, so if you are gonna have a smartwatch, you know, see if it has the capability of downloading maps, just like your phone. Don't throw away a tool just because it's, you know, relies on technology. Uh, well, I always have that with me. You know, what if it, what if my phone falls in the lake? Well, okay. My phone falls in the lake. I don't have that. Then I have other items that, that I can use mm -hmm. and then I can start going into my pace plan for that. So you, you mentioned your car, you have a Linzetta compass in your car. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other items that you carry in your vehicle? Yeah. I have some general maps uh, of the area and a big map of, of Pennsylvania since you know, we're, we're usually at. So I'll have those things in there as well. Um, and, you know, not by design, but by accident. There just happen, happens to be a couple protractors <laughs> in the car as well, or in the truck as well. So those are some normal things that I have in there. But along that same lines, you know, as, as you guys are listening to us, you know that we're a mobile company. Um, we have our main places here in Pennsylvania, but we do travel in other locations. One of the places that we will be going to in the end of uh, September is we're going out to uh, Colorado to go do a... It's what three days, two nights, uh, wilderness skills class. Yeah, the high desert. So along with that, yes, we'll have our phones. Um, we'll have it plotted out that way. But also, we're gonna have hard copy maps of everywhere from from here where we start to out there with at least three routes planned. We're gonna have our main one, which is I seventy. That should be fairly smooth sailing. But in case there's something else, we're gonna have an alternate, and then we're going to have a. a another you know an alternate to that and, so. and along with having those alternates it's also knowing what the 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 side roads are that you can use uh -huh. for a time and it's simple it's just a little bit of planning we know we're going to take this trip we've got over a month to do it we pull out the atlas we look at the atlas we go ahead and we pull up we live in such a wonderful age that we have so many utilities right now i remember the first time i took a road trip that i was driving myself you Ma know map quest no, no, even before MapQuest. Map uh -huh. This is, uh, I'm not saying it's pre-internet days, but I don't think my parents had internet at the time. Uh, I was driving out to California from Utah. I had my atlas and I knew the routes, 
but I didn't know what the construction was. You know, we have that ability that before you even leave your house, you can know if there's construction along your route. And if you're just jumping on Google or IMAP or whatever program you're using and saying from here to there and not paying attention to what it's giving you, you can get a lot of information about your environment. You can say, hey, I am going to run a construction. It's telling you how long it's going to take to get there. Oh, it's going to take four hours. That's the fastest way. But it's also going to put you in construction. Do I want to be in that construction zone? Could I take something that's, say, four hours and 10 minutes and I take side roads? Do a little bit of research. I also, in the car, I like to have, um, you know, those navigation maps. So wherever I'm going to be, something that's kind of blown up, easy to see, easy Mm -hmm. to navigate off of. Uh, But I also like to go as, you know, broad as possible. So I have uh, Rand McNally... uh, 2021 atlas for uh the united states i also have a eastern seaboard uh version of that that's again you know narrowing it down it doesn't take any space it it sits in you know right behind my driver's seat i don't even notice that it's there people be that ride behind me i don't care about those people you know the passengers you know it can take their leg room but i have that we talked about taking our trip going out to colorado what about going to the woods? Is there anything specific that we do or you do uh, in preparation for going to an area? Well, I'll, as much as I can, do a good map recon of the area. And then again, with, with technology, I'll get on Google Maps, take a, look at, take a look at the satellite view, and just see as much as I can to learn and memorize as much as I can of that, of that location. I take um, where we've been doing the SUT classes. Mm-hmm. You know, that area was... We did a survey of it. We made sure it was um, suitable. Suitable, And then after that, we really started studying the area. And one of the, the tools that we have, we have that software so that we can load maps. We can load our own uh, layers and overlays and mm-hmm. stuff into it to to really understand and to know that, that land, know where the boundaries are and everything for the, for the area that we use. So that's one of the things that, you know, that I'll do. But then make sure that I have a map, make sure I do have a Lanzetta compass, mm-hmm. you know, the military Lanzetta compass is the one I primarily use and then make sure I have a backup to that. Uh, um, you, you talked about using Google earth and things like mm-hmm. that. There are other programs and other, it, it's amazing what's available on the internet. We talked about the boundaries of that property. A lot of these counties will actually build uh, overlays that plug into say google earth or something like that but you access it through their website so if you're going on you know you're going backpacking you're going hunting you're going to any of these places look in that county look in that township see if they have prepared a product uh arcgis is a program that is phenomenal it's a a map software program that's used by uh, city planners and developers and all kinds of people out there. They teach a, a very small block of instruction on it in the 18 Fox course. Really, really powerful tool. It's one of those things you realize that you know about maybe 8% of everything it, it can mm-hmm. do. Uh, I realized that I had a teammate that his wife was a city planner, developer, something, but her degree was in ArcGIS. She had a four year degree in this wow. one computer yeah. program. And wow, she could do some things with it. Um, but so 
don't just go one layer deep when you're making your plants. Uh, go that second layer. Go see if there's something else that you can find. And then print it off. Take it with you to the woods. I mean, if it's just Google imagery and, well, you see a bunch of trees, is that giving you any information? No. But if it's an overlay... You can get that topo. You've got that topo. You get the overlay of the boundary lines. Uh, there Now you got information. Print it off. Bring it with you. Now, we were out playing in the woods not too long ago, just looking at some stuff ourselves because that's fun, right? Uh, we had paper maps with us. We also had technology. We, we brought out um, ATAC, the um, Android Assaults tactical kit or android tactical assault kit there you go sorry 18 bravo dyslexia kicking in um had that on a tablet with a gps it allowed us to have imagery submeter imagery with us again i'm not going to shun technology just because it's technology and you'll hear me all the time oh don't use gps what i'm saying is don't depend on gps Mm -hmm. i use a gps i carry a gps in my truck a regular Garmin blue handheld E-Trex 20 or whatever it is because I like taking grids to locations. It's not my primary. I'm always going to be able to use something else. But it is technology that I have access to right now, so use it. Uh, I mean, we teach a GPS class <laughs> because the technology is out there and you got to know how to use it. Yeah. You know, I like the terminology land navigation. It's not orienteering. Um, it's you're navigating. So you are using all those tools in it. You need to have the know-how of putting that stuff together. So as most of you know, I grew up in, in southern Lancaster County. Um, prior to living there, though, when I was a really young kid, I lived for 18 months in Colorado Springs. One nice things about Colorado Springs is wherever Garden you're, of the Gods. That's, yeah, that's an awesome place. Um, but wherever you're at, you can look. Oh, there's Pikes Peak. There are the mountains. And I can base everything off of, of that. Um, so growing up in Southern Lancaster County, there are no visual landmarks like that. So I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell it again. I know I've mentioned it a few times. I grew up the majority of my life in the West. So west of the Rockies, Utah. So when I was growing up, the mountains were always on the east. That handrail was always on the east. So I'm in Colorado Springs in Denver. I'm doing a surveillance serial. (laughs) And I have the eye. I'm following the subject. And I'm giving directions over the radio, trying to get everyone back. Uh But you're giving them backwards because it's on the west. And I'm sitting there saying that we're going north. (laughs) And then I realize, (sighs) (sighs) sorry, everyone, we are actually going the opposite direction because the mountains are on the wrong side (laughs) and you know i was the only one in the class that was from the west Uh Uh, i mean that was even from the the rocky area you know rocky mountain area so no one else had the same problem i did but i did it more than one time i mean usually i caught myself before but this one time i was full on i was broadcasting on the radio giving directions that's awesome and classic yeah yeah so uh you know, when it comes to those landmarks and those mm-hmm. handrails, make sure you know and you're you're aware of where they are at. Well, to that point, and where I was going with that is now that we live in Carlisle, close to the War College, uh, we are in a nice little valley. 
So even though when I grew up on the other side of the river in Lancaster, there was nothing, at least here and in a lot of places in, in Pennsylvania, you, you are in these, these little valleys. So I, it's one thing I point out to my kids. You see how this east side looks. Do you see how, you know, the different landmarks, the different, you know, the cuts of, of the hill and, and like a big tower. Now I compare that to, to the west side on the other side of the valley. So that now, at least when I've been teaching my kids, you can see the difference between the two. So even if you have nothing, you can look at one side, you can look at the other side, get a good idea where you're at in that valley, and you know what direction you need to travel in order to get home because you know what it looks like at home. So you have that base established. This is what normal is. The hill's on the one side, the hill's on the other side, and now I'm right in the middle. Um, so it's, it's things like that. Um, so part of that, that map recon, you can look. What are the, the big landmarks in this area? Uh, what are the big landmarks, you know, that are distinguishable? Uh, when we were going through the, um, on the star course, one of the landmarks wasn't visual. It was, it was audio. It was what they called the puppy palace. Mm -hmm. So if you would hear that dog kennel, could be in the middle of the night and you hear the dogs barking wherever they're at. Now you had a good idea. Okay, if they're over on the left, that means I must be in this area. Or if they're over on the right, I must be in this area. Things like that. Using the terrain, using that environment intelligently, smartly put, put those things together can really help you and, uh, you know, and save you time. And, you know, I know that not everyone listening to this podcast has the benefit of living where we live, that we have the joy of being out in nature. Uh, I know some of you are forced to live in urban centers. I'm really sorry. Uh, but you can use these same things there. You can use these same things around man-made structures. Absolutely. I was in Toronto in Albania. Where were you? Toronto. Toronto? Yes. Not Toronto. 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 Okay. Yeah. It's the capital city of, of Albania. Oh, okay. Albania. We're not talking. Uh, no, no, not Canada. Canada. Yeah, no. All right. Uh, Albania. Uh, Greece's hat, not America's hat. Oh, okay. Uh, they keep Greece warm in the winter, like Canada Ke keeps us warm uh -huh. in the winter. Um, and we're operating. There was a very large hotel that was relatively center of the city. So you could always use that as a reference point. So when we were doing things around the city, you could, we all had our button compass so we could know if we were east, west, south mm -hmm. of that tower. And so, you know, we gave it a name and we could be on the radio or we could be on the cell phone or, or whatever. And, you know, I could say that uh, the Jolly Green Giant is to the left of me. It gives an indicator where you're at, you know. Um, oh, another thing with navigating in that kind of environment, that built up environment, mm -hmm. that urban environment. Um, a great exercise is to park somewhere, figure out where you're at. I'm at this Walmart and then look on a map. Okay, I want to go to the Home Depot that's four miles away through the middle of town. So what you do is now you, you get a direction and you get a distance. And now then just go off the compass. Most modern cars anymore with the... Um, Rearview mirror. With rearview yeah. mirror is going to give you east, you know, north, south, east, west, north, you know, Northwest, northeast. Mm -hmm. So it's going to give you all those those directions. So then it just go. I know that it's twelve miles. Um, so then figure it out from there. Especially if you're inside of a city where it's a nice grid, and even here on the east coast with these crazy roads and everything, still most city 
cities are laid out in that grid section. So it's easy. Okay, I'm going north. I know I need to go north approximately four miles. I know I need to go west approximately six miles. Well, just keep keep that math going. How far north you're going, how far uh, west you're going, and, and you can find your way there. It might take you a little bit at first, but once you start to get a knack for that, it's very easy then to be able to navigate without your phone, without a map, just knowing a general the the direction you want to end up and the general uh, distance. Yeah. There's always opportunities to train. And we like like I said, this is all about being better. It's about trying to improve our capabilities. So don't waste that opportunity. Don't waste that chance. Kind of funny you mentioned the city and here on the East Coast. I spent some time in California. I shared this story with you earlier about when I was driving in Culver City. Culver City was designed by Howard Hughes. Um, <laughs> and I, I remember referring or saying once to my mother, I swear that the city was designed by a madman with a helicopter who just liked to fly around and laugh at people. That was before I was, I knew it was designed by Howard Hughes. But I found myself, I was driving on Jefferson Avenue when I was supposed to be on Jefferson Boulevard but it turns out that they are two yeah. parallel running I say, streets. Aren't they pretty close? Yes. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you, you know, it's even there, you have to be very careful. When you're doing your uh, your map recon, when you're looking at your maps, you got to know. Um, got to be specific. Because you could be on Jefferson, but, well, it's the wrong Jefferson. <laughs> nice. So, I've made lots of mistakes in my life um one of the mistakes that i've made in specific to, to land navigation is listening to i i don't want to say the the myth or the the uh the bad preaching but uh overestimating my abilities when it comes to land navigation uh where I thought that I could depend on, say, oh, I know where the stars are, I know the sun, um, I have that general direction, and I'm good to go. But then I found myself in thick canopy. I was in the woods. You know, I'm thinking North Carolina. You know, mm -hmm. you, you get into some of those draws, and if you're trying to use the sun, and it's eleven o'clock in the morning, it's very easy to get turned around. It's very easy to. Get confused. Now, if that's your point of navigation, now, in a pinch, in an emergency, yes, you can navigate by the sun, but it requires you to stop and set up and pay attention to the shadows. Yeah. It's not something that you can navigate smoothly, quickly. you have any uh, <laughs> fun experiences? No, I'm, I'm just that good. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, to, to that point... Um, Man, it was an early class that I was teaching. It, it was a long time ago, probably about eight years ago or so. And I brought uh, one of my twins along. So he was, he's kind of a young man, um, maybe 10 or 11. And I had taught him in principle, you know, this is how you navigate using the sun. 
So I'm teaching the class, and he was only there to help pick up brass or something, uh, you know, at the end of class. And um, halfway through the class, I was getting around lunchtime. I, I stopped, went over, and see what he was doing because I saw he was like off to the side doing his own thing. And that's what he'd actually had done. He'd stuck a stick in the ground, in. yeah, and he was you know tracing. Mm -hmm. So he 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 knew what he was doing to a point. So I showed him. Okay, so now that you now that you've, it's been over over an hour, you had to sing, and then you see your start point where it's at now. Draw that line. That's giving you your, your east west. So what does that mean? Oh, so that's north south. And then you know, that they physically did it. Now now it clicked in his head. Um, so you can do it. It just like you said, it, it could take a while. Yeah, you you have to put you have to put the time in with it. Yeah, and you have to have a good clear line of sight. And you know, cloudy day, thick dense canopy, uh, it can interfere. Yeah, it, it can. It definitely was one of those things where, mm, okay, I do need to pull my compass out. Yeah, fortunately, I had I had a working compass. Now, uh, what I what I have done is um, when I was at the eighty second. You know what? I think man, I think I even told this story here too. I was out in Area J, and we're doing a land nav course, and uh, they give out the information, gave us the maps, so we knew our start points, and we had everything we needed to, to plot, you know, the piece of paper. And then I started plotting off the map with my protractor, and then that's when I realized I don't have a compass. <laughs> but, boy, I was not going to go tell that sergeant I didn't have a compass. I just faked it and did pretty good with train association mm -hmm. and, and that protractor. Okay, I know we need to go that direction, so I'm going to bust through this trail and that trail and that trail, and I'm going to cross that stream, and then I'm going to get to that point. And uh, just that train association, it, it worked out okay. You know, that's something... You, you triggered my thoughts here of Area J. My map of Area J that I had when I was in the 82nd was one of those nice Hobbit maps. So any of you who have been to Fort Bragg, you know the Hobbit, where you go get your maps laminated. Yeah. And they cut them nice, and they fold, and it's just a beautiful thing. It, it's funny, you know, that super nerd store with all his Dungeons and & Dragons and RPGs, and you can buy all the Munchkin cards there. And then probably what is the biggest thing he does? Laminate those maps. Yeah. Yep. Uh, actually, yeah, you know where that guy makes all his money? No. He owns all those car dealerships up and down um, Yadkin. Really? Yes. Oh, that guy's a criminal then. So he, what he does... He goes to all these uh, auto auctions uh -huh. and uh, buys these cars, and then he sells them to Joe at you know seventeen percent interest. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, yeah. Because you know that private coming off that first deployment, he's got all kinds of money he doesn't know what to do with. So yeah, give it to that guy. Oh, I still remember coming back from selection because the uh, the company went on leave uh -huh. and seeing all the brand new ridiculous cars. In the parking lot. Yep. Uh, this one guy bought a, a BMW something stupid, uh, you know, like $80,000 car in 2004. <laughs> and I'm like, uh -huh. how long are you going to have that car? You going to have that car three years? Because you could have taken that money and invested it. <laughs> uh, but, my, you know. My squad leader. Privates. Uh, Staff Sergeant Johnson. This was... I think this is probably our, our second trip. This might have been our, our short trip that we took to, to Iraq in 2004, which we weren't there very long. We were just covering down on another unit that wasn't ready. But he turned in his Ford. It wasn't a. It wasn't a Bronco, but it wasn't like a. It was kind of like a sporterized, almost uh, SUV uh, pickup truck that they had for a while, some model. Anyways, um, so he turned this thing into the. 
the Bragg lot, right? To, to for safekeeping mm-hmm. for you know, and whatever the official thing. I don't know if it's run by NWR or somebody, but you know, you, where you can store your vehicle yeah. when you deploy yeah. it. The POV storage lot. Yeah, that, that makes sense. POV storage lot. Yeah. So uh, we deploy, we come back, and there's like a magic fourteen hundred miles on his truck. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but then him being you know not quite the A type that that uh, he, he was, I don't think he really did anything about it. He just kind of like sucked it up in a well. There's no there's no dents. <laughs> well, so uh, back to the eighty second uh, area J. Yeah, and land nav. Right? And, and that, that's yes, what we're talking my, about. My silly Hobbit map. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That thing was so riddled full of notes because every time I found like uh, that a fire break was not on the map. I put it on there. I went ahead. Yeah, I confirmed it. Yep, that doesn't show up on this map. I put it on my map. And, you know, that's something that kind of shocked a lot of people that I would, you know, like, well, it's not a sacred document. No, I mean, it's a working document. It's a working do- You can go ahead and update it. You can go ahead and, you know, I found a water source. <laughs> yeah. You know I'm going to write that thing down, mm-hmm. okay? Um, I'm going to highlight it on the map. I'm going to add to so that I have that capability for later. And, you know, something such as a water source. We're out camping. We come back together. I'm going to share that information with everyone. Everyone's going to put that on their map. Not, oh, here's a grid to a water source, like if I pull it out of my GPS. No, we're going to actually put it physically on the map. Uh, and that's something that that is usable by the whole group. So when all our batteries do die on our GPSs, hey, guess what? It's still on the map, the mm-hmm. physical map, and we can use that. I do recommend having, uh, you know, a, a writing in the legend and using a small numbering system. In in the seminar, in the land nav seminar, I talk about. Uh, doing your points, plotting your points, and, you know, using a very fine dot and then using a shape around it with, excuse me, uh, with the idea of not destroying information on the map. But that's why you have the legend. You have room to write on. You have the back of the map to write on. So you can have a small little number written out there, and then you can have uh, written out on on the back of your map what is actually there and what your, you know, why you would want to go there. This useful things that I've done over the years. You know, to that, when you are moving to a new location or when you are going to a new area to train, you know, whether, whether you come into one of our classes or, or whatever the case may be, um, it pays to take some time once you're there to, uh, to explore. Um, you know, still, we've lived in our home now going on three years, I think, at, at this particular home, and still... Occasionally, once a month or so, we'll just go for a drive and, you know, just around the area, learning new roads, learning, you know, building that that knowledge, that shared knowledge we have as, as individuals and as a family of, of where we live. So that, uh, again, if we were to get lost or if something were to happen, we just have a better understanding of where we're at and what the what the surroundings are so we can find our way. I was so excited the other day. The wife and I were running some errands. And we were out Boiling Springs area, uh, not our typical area. And she's like, oh, just stay straight on this road. It'll run you right into Carlisle. 
she had done just that. Yeah. She had been out there a couple of weeks prior to that. I was up teaching in class and she had time and she just drove around. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, the, the value of that is huge. Knowing your area. And it's, again, the inkblot thing. Expand it out. You know a little bit. That's awesome. Know a little bit more tomorrow. And as you live and play in an area, just gain more every time. You know, that, that holds true if you like live where we live and, and more of a, a, a country area. Um, but even if you live in that, that urban area, then almost more importantly, yes, drive around, get to know it, but then walk. Because you can find, you know, cut throughs. You can find alleys. You can find other avenues that you can can use that you wouldn't be using with just your car so you know gain that knowledge of you know, around your surroundings and just like you said the ink blot just keep adding more and more to it so your knowledge your understanding of that terrain expands so uh, i've talked about it a little bit one of my hobbies is uh, as a photographer i i've always enjoyed photography I'm never going to be like that professional quality photographer. It's just something I enjoy. A lot of photographers have what they call us is a site bank. And there are even apps on, on your phone that you can download. that are like from like F stopper or something. I, I can't remember, but it's a site bank. You can take a picture of it. You can record all the information about it and you can use it later when, you know, you've got that, uh, you, you're doing scenery portraits and you need something that, a wall with graffiti or whatever. Um, site banks are huge. And whether you're building it mentally or you're actually keeping a catalog on it, knowing where things are and how to get around, whether it is the city or it's, you know, where are the parks around me? My 11-year-old has decided that for her birthday she wants a bike. Well, the road that I live on isn't exactly a biking road. So that means I have to know where the parks are that I can take her to relatively easily with that bike so that she can go ride her bike and uh, enjoy that. that. Have I taken you to that really nice park um, over by us? The uh, Shugart? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, just before we moved up here. Okay. One of the times we came to visit, yeah. you took me out that way. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But yeah, you, you got to find these areas. Um, and it, you get it by exploring. You just got to get out there. And then once you find it, make a note of it and share it with other people. Jared found that really cool park. The next time I came up, he took me there. So I have that. Someone comes to visit, I'm going to take them there. Uh, pass the knowledge on. That That's important. What are some of the, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about our experience and things, but what are some of the mistakes that you've seen or that others make or maybe some of the myths that the people uh I'll tell you right off the bat, I can't tell you how many well-intending yet completely ignorant people have told me that the way compasses work is you follow the arrow. I, yes, I, I have heard that, and it, it blows people's mind when uh, you explain how it really works, which is, you know, it's, it's a joke and it's laughable for us sitting here with the experience that we have, but not everyone has that. Not everyone... You know, a lot of people's frame of reference might be, in all honesty, cartoons. You know, a lot of the, the, the myths that we get, it comes from Looney Tunes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's not like a GPS that you can put in, hey, I want to go to that waypoint, and it's going to give you the arrow that's a, a direct line to it. <clears throat> I'll say when it comes to mistakes that I see common, and this is, it's not just land navigation classes that we've taught. It's land navigation, or, you know, here at, at Lodestone, but uh, classes that I've taught in the military, uh, classes I've trained, people don't trust their equipment. They start to second guess uh, their their tools. Whoa, am I keeping the right pace count? And so they will start to prematurely make a course correction. Yes. And, you know, we talk about it in the seminar about using handrails and backstops. And those things are set up there so that if you do go past your pace count, you have something that you're going to run into. Uh, we have it set up if you're veering to the left or to the right. You're going to run into something that's going to help you correct so that you have the ability of trusting your your equipment. You know, from my experience, when I did the star course and when I went through it, they, they changed they change how they do it all the time for a couple of different reasons. But my particular experience, when I went through the star course, you had three days to do it. Um, each day you're supposed to do it. And if you completed it, got all your points the first day, you didn't have to go out and, and search the other two days. You went on a ruck, so you still you know, physically got beat down, but you didn't have the stress of, of looking for those points. So I had found all my points but my last one, and I knew that time was running out. And in that panic, that's when I started second-guessing. That's when I knew I could have gone and should have gone a little bit further, and, and I didn't quite do it. So I stopped short and like, oh, I only have a few more minutes. Um, and, and in that panic, that's when I saw some, thankfully, saw some emery trash. So, hey, that's the right direction. And I would have, had I not panicked, I would have continued going in that direction because I stopped short, like I said. So I started following the emery trash, and then I heard the voices, heard some people talking at the point. So then I walked into the point, and sure enough, I, I made it. But that's in that moment when I was off, was feeling all that stress. That's what I did. Is I, I didn't trust what I knew was right. I didn't trust uh, my pace count. I didn't trust the the math I did before. Um, everything started to to be questioned. You know, it's it's very easy that we question ourselves, but I think one of the other problems that people have is, especially when it comes to land navigation, people will skimp. You know, you'll have a guy who's willing to go out and spend $3,000 on an AR that doesn't shoot any better than the $700 AR. It just has a better name attached to it or some unit uses that AR, whatever. But he wants to use a $12 base compass that, you know, it says Boy Scouts of America that he bought off of eBay because, well, it was cheaper. And of course, that thing is not going to hold its accuracy as much as a good military lensetic compass. Um, you know, that lensetic compass, when you collapse it and close it, it locks the needle in place. So it prevents it being battered around and all intents and purposes losing at zero. Where that base compass, there's nothing. It's just floating there in the water, hitting the sides and... You know, as you beat the magnet around, it will lose that. So if you're not checking your equipment, then you have that little nagging voice in the back of your head. Oh, it's a cheap compass. 
oh, I didn't check it to verify that it's it's accurate. And all those things will start leading down those doubts where, oh, it's it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. Um, and there are times that you do actually have to have that moment of uh, reason where, you know what, the map I'm using was was surveyed in 1976. So that's what, 45 years ago. Um, the bridge and the river that I'm using as my uh, attack point might not be accurate on that map. Now, is there a bridge and river? Yep. Now, is that bridge and river in the same spot? It could be 10 or 15 meters left or right. You find it, it's still getting you in the general area. You know, and that's the point of an attack point. It's, it's getting you close. So you can then do those, those fine-tuning uh, things with your land navigation. It's when you're, well, it's not exactly where it, where it says on the map. You, now you look at everything. You can have that doubt mm-hmm. there, but that doubt is based in reality. Uh, the map is old. The map data is old. So the check compasses we have built. The compass check stations. It, it, talk us through yeah. that. So uh, you'll see it. You come out to one of our classes. We, we bring it out. It's a board that is set up uh, with different um, angles on it that you can line your compass up against. And we point it in a general or a, a specific, not a general, a specific direction. And then we write next to uh, those little angles what that degree should be. The purpose here is that then you can put your compass in and see how far you're off. And you got to remember that if you're off by five degrees, that is going to get worse every step you take. You know, and you, or you're going to have to keep doing that math. And if, so it's so a, what, a two degree difference. Two degree for a thousand. Yeah, you're meters looking. You're what twenty meters? Twenty meters. Yeah, for a click. You know, and if you think about what twenty meters is. We've all been on the flat range, that 25-meter line. You're trying to find something, you know, say the size of a cell phone that could be in a 20-meter square. Uh, It's going to make it kind of difficult, especially if there's foliage and there's terrain um, involved. So the mistake I'm saying is people mistake to check their equipment or they bring cheap equipment and... So then they can't rely on their equipment. The other mistake is just not trusting yourself. You know, you have good equipment. You've done the math correctly. You do know what you're doing. Trust yourself. Trust your backstop. Trust your handrails. You will find that point. So when I was in SUT in the Q course, and for those of you who don't know, that's a small unit tactics section, and it's... Gosh, I don't even remember how many weeks. And I know they've, they've changed. They've added stuff, taken stuff away. But what? When we went through six weeks, eight weeks, something like that? Uh, I want to say it was six weeks. Six weeks. Okay. So basically, you're out in the woods doing this stuff. And after you've been trained, uh, then you have the, the evals. So you're supposed to serve in different leadership positions while you're being evaluated. And you get in peer evaluations. And, you know, it's, it's pretty stressful because... At least for me, I, I, I kind of wanted to pass. I kind of wanted to be a Green Beret. Um, so anyways, we just start, and our cadre, they, they pick the leadership. So for the, the PL, 
they pick this young SF baby, this this the Sopsy kid. <laughs> and um he has so it's him, but he has two pretty strong uh you know, team leaders and they tell him, All right, you know, you're here or where are you at? So he showed them the map, this is where I'm at. Okay, here's your point, plot your point. So he plot the point, okay, now you need to patrol there. And this kid, he uh we got pretty close and he led us into a draw and uh we were in this draw and we couldn't get out of the draw, couldn't get out of the draw and and he kept trying to figure out what was going on and you could just see the poor kid um it got to the point where it, the wheel was still turning but the hamster was dead he just you know whatever vapor lock and then finally he quit so he like called the catcher over he's like okay i quit i'm done he's like wait what he's like i, I quit <laughs> you mean you are voluntary withdrawing yes i'm done so he's like okay uh, stay where you're at, everyone, you know, stay in your formations, follow me. And he walked us 50 meters to the point, just out of the draw right there. So if if this kid, if he would have just believed in himself and just worked just a little bit harder and not given up, he was that close from from the point, that close to success. And he, he, you could taste it. And uh, he just didn't believe in himself and, and, and quit. Well, you know, he was young. And he didn't have the training. He didn't have the experience. I know that I've been doing this since I was 13. You've mm -hmm. been doing this since you were a Boy Scout. Uh, I don't remember if I've ever had that, like, I'm not going to find it to the point that I was willing to give up. Yeah. But I know plenty of times I've doubted myself. And it, I've always fallen back on, well, have I hit my backstop? Have I done everything right? Do I need to go back? I can always go back. I can always shoot. I can always walk back that back aspen. Mm -hmm. um, and I trusting my my equipment, trusting my my skills. But it comes down to, I've also had that experience, where I've been in the woods enough, and I keep going into the woods so that I have that experience. No one's alone anymore. No one's by themselves. And it, I feel so sorry. That they don't get that experience. I, I still remember 13 years old, Cherry Valley uh, Scout Camp on Catalina Island, listening to those kids cry. The kids cry. Yep. And then I still remember during selection, it was during one of the um, practical exercises for land navigation, hearing someone whimpering because they were lost. And I, I realized that that person, it wasn't that they were lost. It was that they were so overwhelmed with the fact that they were doing something so outside of their comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. They were by themselves, and they'd never been by themselves. I mean. And they, they run that thing by design, so uh, there's you, no moon. Yeah. It's dark. It's dark. Uh -huh. it's, it's scary out there, you know. If you think about your date, have you gone 24 hours without seeing another human being? When was the last time you went 24 hours without seeing another human being? I can't think of that time. I can think about how much I want that sometimes, but um, <laughs> we, we are so dependent on other people, and you know that's a good and a bad thing. Yeah, uh, and I, I definitely know that that is something that it, it can be a problem uh, having that lack of confidence in yourself. I was just talking to one of the guys down in the gun shop about how he should bring his son to the land nav course. Mm -hmm. uh, he brought his son to the austere environment. Okay, yeah. And I was like, man, like this is the next thing. He's got to be out there for this. 
and uh, he got really excited. He's going to work out his schedule so so he can do it. Um, he better. I know you're listening. You better. Uh, but this is a great thing for kids. We got that guy down in Virginia that brings, oh, yeah. brings his little kids. And it's so awesome. It's so awesome to watch that little boy who's like, what, nine or something? Yeah. Uh, like light up when he, he gets that confidence. I, I love this. Um, uh, there's just such, such value in it. Yeah. You know, so beating that horse for a little bit about the importance of gaining the confidence in yourself and not making the mistakes of not trusting yourself. Um, I wanted to talk about some other tools that you might think about when it comes to land nav that you may not think about using for land navigation. Uh, something that I've recently used, uh, just our, what last week when we were out playing, uh, I used my laser rangefinder. You know, I have the the technology. I have it with me. Why wouldn't I use something to be able to spot a distance? One, it allows me to confirm my pace count for that terrain. Uh, to it, you can do a, you know intersection with with that. Oh yes, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Um, there's a lot of things that that are available, and I mean that laser range fire again. It's it's in my kit anyways, so of course I have that. But if you guys have one of those in your like range bag, think about putting it in your camping bag the next time you go. Use that with you. Anything that uh, allows you to do any kind of range estimation, you know, your binoculars, your spotting scope. Uh, if you have the ability of doing some sort of range estimation. Being able to get a, an accurate uh, distance is huge when it comes to land navigation. It's just advantages you get there. Um, do you know why the, the, I guess it's called the butt? I know that uh, Mossy Forge is going to correct me on this or, you know, uh, on, a, on an axe, on a uh, woodsman's axe, why the butt of the axe is at 45 degrees? Hmm. So that is that you can stand, hold it at that 45 degree at an arm's length, and it should touch the top of the tree. Then you pace count from where you're at, and that will give you the height of that tree. I did not know that. Yeah, a little woodscraft thing. Um, it's funny because I was recently looking at buying a new uh, axe, and it wasn't 45 degrees. I was like, man, that would have screwed me all up. <laughs> And I'm sure that people thought I was funny, like sitting there looking at the angle. But yeah, you know, it was important to me. You gonna have Mossy Forge make you one? Maybe. I mean, you know, just saying. Just saying. Yeah, I, I haven't bought that axe yet because. Uh, I, it, just saying. It, it's, he, and he listens to the podcast. Oh, good, I, I get good, commentary good. from him. Uh, I, I hope he is like, man, that Chris is an idiot. <laughs> uh, a lot of people say that. Uh huh. Like Flynn says. Luxury once tasted becomes necessity. Now that I'm starting to have like nicer equipment, you know, like woodscraft type stuff. Before I was perfectly happy. Oh, Walmart axe? Yeah, sure, I'll take that. It breaks in, you know, a year. That's fine. Now it's like, no, 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 no. It's not hand forged. I don't want it. <laughs> I have to have the nicer things. You know, can't just uh can't just go to Home Depot anymore. It's it's good and bad at the same time. Yeah. Something that uh, I think is a useful piece of kit 
it has a lot of different uh, uses. Some sort of visible tape. So whether it's a, a duct tape or it's a vinyl tape, but something that is bright colored that you can use to mark things. And, you know, you can set up waypoints. You can set up uh, a set of breadcrumbs. You know, you, you don't have the confidence that you can get back to your campsite. You don't have a compass. You have no other items with you, but you happen to have 550 cord. Mm -hmm. You can use that to tie on branches as you're walking out and build that breadcrumbs so that you can find your way back to camp. That is land navigation. Uh, a lot of us carry those type things anyways. Visible tape, um, whether it's a reflective tape or it's, you know, neon green duct tape. Anything like that ribbon, it gives you something else in the toolkit. You have any uh, other than normal land nav things that you think you could use for land navigation? Well, one of the things that I... I use that I've kept it still kind of old school, you know, compared to today's technology is, is a watch. Um, that's why my, none of my watches are digital. They're all actually have the hand so I can use the sun, you know, the sun method to, uh, to help me plot my, uh, you know, my, my course to see where North is at and then base myself off of that. That's just one thing that, you know, that I do. Um, there's also, you know, ways, you know, you can quick magnetize a, a needle or something. But then again, yeah, you're just kind of creating a compass. And but what's the name of our company? Load Stone. Stone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, the first compasses helping you to, to find your way and, and help you along that path. And that's why we're here. Um, but really, the watch that that's one thing that uh, that I probably will always keep. Is, uh, those digital hands. No, I mean, without those digital hands. Well, so, some of us don't have uh, an analog watch because well, we can't read uh, hands. Uh, so we have to have big numbers because our eyes are getting worse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, you talk about the watch. It's another form that you can go ahead and keep uh, some sort of log. It's another tool of measurement. I'm going to walk this direction for this many minutes. It's like talking about in, in the urban environment, you know, using that stopwatch capability so that you can use it. I went up this block for a minute 30. I'm going to go ahead and turn 90 degrees next straight over. I'm going to turn 90 degrees again. I'm going to walk down the street for that same period of time. You should be now directly across mm -hmm. from where you're at. Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, within a, a margin based off of your speed and uh, the crowds and things like that. But it's a it's a tool that we might not think about when it comes to land navigation that you can utilize. We always have pace speeds. But do you always have pace speeds? It's the concept is the principle is you have something to um, help you count. I'm really, really bad at counting to, say, 372 but I can count to 62 a lot of times. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, so 
I've done it where I've picked up rocks and transferred rocks from one pocket to the next. And however yes. many rocks I have in my left pocket is however many hundreds of meters I've gone. I have five rocks. I've gone 500 meters. I'm half a kilometer into my movement. The The principle is still using something to help me count. Uh, the technique, I'm just using something different. Um, using an environmental because I didn't have those items. I, when we start talking about the survival scenarios, not everyone carries pay speeds in their their car, but they might need to navigate. You can pick pennies out of your uh, ashtray and use those for that purpose. Very simple. You're not really changing anything to uh, your loadout. It's items that you have right there. Uh, use dimes for kilometers. You, you have uh, you have access to that. So I thought about something when we were out in uh, western Pennsylvania. I had done my my map recon uh -huh. of the routes, and then it kept blowing me away of still how much further we had to go. <laughs> because on paper, it did not look that long, but it was. And I had the thought while we were out there, I was like, I don't have an azimuth back to my house. I can't walk line of sight back to my house mm -hmm. because I have focused solely on, you know, the way the the truck is going. I don't have a method to get back if the truck isn't going. Um, I'm purely dependent on the road system. Uh, you know, I have capability in the forerunner. I could go off road if I needed to, but I couldn't because I didn't have an azimuth back to my house. Very easily, I could pull out the map and I could do everything right there because I have it in the truck. But it actually physically bothered me that I didn't know what it was in my head. Just kind of, just one of those little things. Yeah, one yeah. of the, like as we're talking about land of that just keeps popping back up. Like I could point east and be like, "Yeah, my house is somewhere that," way. but I couldn't be like, "Yes, my house is actually 105 degrees from here." You know that that. Yeah, the way the bird flies. Yeah. Yeah. The way the bird flies uh, and maps and things like this. Land navigation, it spills into all aspects of everything that we do, whether we're talking about SUT, uh, we're talking about um, going on a vacation. Being able to understand what the train is, is vital to communications. You and I, we live about, as a crow flies, what is it, three and a half miles from each other? Yeah, about yeah. that. But there is a, a fair terrain feature in between our house that um, would limit our ability to have line of sight communications. Uh, so by being able to have a map and look at a map, we can see where we need to put a repeater if we want to talk say, on, you know, radios to one another. And that's something that, you know, you can do with with your people, with your friends, with, with your associates. You know, find that place, again, as we, we figured out where we need to put that, that repeater for us so that we can stay in contact um, in case. An emergency. Yeah, in case yeah. things go down. Yeah, today, um, while we're recording this, I'm pretty sure it was at... 3.30 um, in the p.m., they just did a big uh, uh, practice run 
I guess, with the emergency system. I was actually waiting for uh, our phones to go off. I thought it was supposed to include the phones, but I haven't seen anything pop. Maybe maybe I heard it wrong. Maybe it's tomorrow when they're mm. practicing, but I thought they're doing it today. Yeah. But it carries over into so much in so many different aspects. That's one of the reasons why we have the LANAV as a separate course, uh, because you have to have that good base understanding. And I feel bad when we have students that come out to SUT and they recognize, well, oh, man, I'd be so much better if I had done the land nav. But we can't make the SUD class another day longer yeah. just so everyone can get caught up on, on, on land, nav. land nav. And we can't water down land nav and try and put it into SUT and, oh, we're just going to give you a quick one hour. You know, one hour doesn't even make you dangerous. You know, one hour... It's our in-classroom seminars, three hours, um, just to get you enough of the information that, that's out there. So um, it is a standalone class. That's, that's why we, we teach it that way. And I know that we are starting to get enough students that have been through the level one, you know, the actual two-day LANAV class that we can go ahead and start having that level two land nav class where it's you're doing more with it and it's just going to make you better. Well, yeah, uh, yes, yes, it will. I'm just thinking I, I wish we could talk more, but man, I guess the most I'll be willing to say right now is in a not too distant future, training in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is going to be forever changed. And not just for those of you that are here in the Commonwealth. Yes. It's it's there for everyone. Jared likes to, you know, take care of I'm his... I'm an elitist. Is that what yeah, you're yeah, saying? I was going to say, you, you like to take care of your Pennsylvania brothers that, first. That's right. Well, you know? what are the two greatest states in this union? Texas and Pennsylvania. I was born in Houston, and I was raised in Pennsylvania. You know, I've got dual citizenship in the two greatest states that there are. Just saying. Not to brag, you know, you're you're special. You're good people, too, but, you know. I, I'm special as in, like, the bless your heart kind of special. <laughs> uh, Born in Utah, raised in California. Yeah, well, eh. Utah's okay. It has, its, it has its points. I like to say, you know, you, you can't know the sweet without knowing the bitter. Uh-huh. I know the bitter, so now I can enjoy the sweet. All right. Living in Pennsylvania is cheating. <laughs> All of you that live here in Pennsylvania, you're cheating right now. I just want you to know that. I, As we're preparing the austere environment to go out to Colorado yeah. and do high desert, I spent 14 years in fifth group. The majority of my career has been spent focused on the Middle East. Desert survival. There's a reason why I moved someplace that has water. That's right. <laughs> I mean, you can't throw a dead cat in Pennsylvania without finding a source of water. That's right. Not saying I've tried, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's a, that's a true statement. You know, we've we've talked for a little over an hour now about land nav and shared some experiences, dropped a lot of of good information and and encouragement too. You know, practice, practice, practice. Come to us or, or go to somebody else. Um, to get better at land navigation. Oh, 
But as you know, we have our upcoming Light Fighter Challenge. Cannot wait to run that on October 9th. Uh, right now, we're still sitting with just about 10, I think, available uh, seats that, that are left. And we're recording this. It's the 11th of, of August. So just under two months away. I'm fully expecting those to fill up. But the whole intent of that light fighter challenge is, well, that light fighter concept, being well-rounded, um, being that well-rounded individual, not just focusing on something or like, I don't know. One thing that annoys the heck out of me is seeing people do the videos on the social medias of doing the firing one round and then reload and fire one round and, and do it for time. That's got to be about pointless. Yes, you need to know how to reload. And potentially you need to know how to reload really fast, fast you can. But just, just doing that, doing that, doing that for, for, the, for the video or whatever, is just, that's just silly, in my opinion. That's not very well-rounded. But that's what we are pushing is trying to be well-rounded. So for those of you who maybe you've heard or maybe you haven't, maybe this is the first time you're hearing about it, the whole intent of that light fighter challenge is to, to push yourself. We just don't do hard things anymore. We just, our life is, is fairly easy um, in, in, in a lot of regards. I'm not talking about stress of work or other things. Yes, I, I'm assuming that, yes, you're working hard. But I'm talking about that physically pushing ourselves like, like our forefathers did, like the light fighters that came before us in the you know, French and Indian War, Rogers Rangers, um, the guys in, in World War II, and, and everything. If you want to know more about it, you can go listen to the podcast where we talked specifically about that light fighter concept. But that's what this is, is a challenge for you to to push yourself, to challenge yourself. It's not you against somebody else necessarily. It's, it's you against you or I against I. At the, you're, you're pushing yourself and finding a little, bit, a little bit about yourself. So we start that with an eight-mile ruck. Um, it's going to be for, for time. You have a backpack with at least 35 pounds minus the water weight, and go. And it's just going to be you. You can walk with friends. They can encourage you. You can encourage them or whatever. That's okay. But when it comes down to it, it's you with that weight in your back taking those steps. You're the one who's doing it. And if you don't have 35 pounds, don't worry. We'll have heavy rocks there at start <laughs> point that you can put in your backpack. Yes. So after you complete that, and then there's going to be a series of uh, like a round robin station. It's going to be another two miles that you'll you'll need to walk, and there are going to be different different things for you to do. There's going to be a a shooting section where you're going to be um, judged on on your accuracy and how you perform, and that's only 20 rounds. And then is, is there going to be a one round reload, one round? No, th there won't be. Maybe a two <laughs> reload, then two. Uh, but it's going to be judged on, on your accuracy. Since at that point, you, you should be a little smoked. Your heart rate should be up just a little bit. Um, other things we're going to do, we're going to do with, um, an axe throw. Mossy Forge is going to be here. He's going to help run that, um, throwing axes. You know, one of the students that we have, uh, I had lunch with him on Monday. Yeah. He showed me pictures on his phone and a video. He went out for a date night with his wife to one of those axe throwing oh, places. Oh, that's awesome. With the intent of practicing for this. <laughs> because he wants to be that well-rounded light fighter. That's right. Um, there's going to be a med station. Well, you're going to have to uh, know how to apply a tourniquet. And then after you apply a tourniquet, you're going to have to do something. Um, there's going to be a station with, with comms. Um, you're going to need to know how to, to talk um, on a radio, how to t talk properly. There's going to be... What have we been talking about all podcast? Land navigation. Land navigation. Yes. There's going to be a uh, 
land nav section where you're going to need to plot a point and go find it and recover an item that you're going to need later on. We're going to have a black powder shoot. Um, we're going to have a four-time a, a fire starting uh, competition. So you're going to be com- that point. You'll be competing against everyone about who can start a fire faster than, than the next person, um, as well as some other things that we're going to surprise you with. But the whole point is. Again, for you to push yourself, for you to get out of your comfort zone. And please come. Don't If you don't know how to land nav, well, you got some time to practice up on it, but that's okay. Um, come and experience it anyways. And then you'll find those where your, what your weak points are, where your deficiencies are. So then next year or, or the year after that, you'll be able to know where you need to focus to be more well-rounded. Um, it, it's not one of those uh, you know competition races where – you're going to get shocked and you're going to have to low crawl underneath barbed wire and basically play a little obstacle course. You're going to walk away after this with a sense of accomplishment, but also with notes on what you need to do to improve, how you can be a better light fighter, whether that is, man, I really need to do more cardio, which I think that's all of us. Uh, Or you know what? If I really needed to get that fire started in order to purify water, to maintain uh, core temperature, to do a signal, cook food. Man, that took an awful lot of time. Not that you're trying to race against the guy left or right of you that got theirs done faster. You're thinking, wait, my family is depending on my ability to get that fire started because I'm the person they're going to look at. I'm the asset. So do I have that ability? I watched um, one of the early episodes of Survivor Man, and Les Stroud, he was talking and giving commentary on himself. Might have even been on YouTube. And so here he had been, or is, a quote-unquote survival expert, teaches it, instructs it, and he was saying how he has built, he can't even count how many fires. He knows what he's doing. So the first time he's shooting Survivor Man, he's got cameras on, and he said it took him something like seven hours to get that fire started. It, it was like 11 hours. Was it? Okay. Yes, and he went through um, like both shoelaces. <laughs> he was cutting pieces of his shirt to, to make a, a string for his bow drill. And the whole he, time he's He's like, done it plenty of times. He's like, I may need to reevaluate my life choices. I might need to go back to whatever it is he did. Maybe I should be an accountant. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, um, and that, that's that guy's profession. Um, there's a reason why there are easier methods of starting a fire than with a bow drill. Yeah. <laughs> I, I give credit to those that, that uh, do, even with all of the right equipment and extremely dry dry conditions it's still a lot of effort absolutely so we we hope you come out to that uh there even if you don't want to participate there is an option just to observe and watch and you know you can encourage those who are there but that's that's the whole point it's it's not at all for us to belittle you or whatever it's to give you that experience we're there to make everyone better and yeah help you along your path. You know, hence the name of the company, Lodestone. Um, that's really what we want to do. Well, we appreciate uh, the time you spent with us. Chris, you got anything you want to wrap up no, with? No, I'm glad that you folks have given us your time, and I hope you've taken some of this information and you do something with it. 
All right, you guys, uh, you stay safe. We'll, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Why is there a fence here? There should be no fence here. Isn't that the intersection? No, sir, it's here. You're full grid off. Is there a problem, Captain Sobo? Who said that?